And then I said to Huda, so what are we doing? She said, Jesus has a heart for Lebanon. And that's where the name of the ministry came to birth, Heart for Lebanon, Christ's heart for a broken community. A first-hand report of what God is doing in the country of Lebanon today on First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and my guest is Camille Melke, the Executive Director of Heart for Lebanon. We'll get started with the conversation in just a moment. You know, each week we have a guest who joins us, and they have a unique story to tell of how God has moved in their life and given them a vision for what can be done through their obedience. For several years now, we've been privileged to bring you these stories, and they're all archived online as a resource for you. Just go to FirstPersonInterview.com and click on the Listen button. That's FirstPersonInterview.com. Well, for many of us, Lebanon is a place we don't know much about. We might have a broad sense of its struggles and challenges, but it's also a place where God is at work through His people. And the exodus of Syrian refugees into Lebanon is the latest example of the challenge this country faces. Camille Melki knows full well what the difficulties are, but he puts his trust in the God of the Bible who empowers those who follow him. He's the executive director of Heart for Lebanon, and we spoke recently while he was on a brief trip in America. So I was uh, born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon. In fact, uh, I consider myself a child of war. I was six years old when the civil war uh, in 1975 broke out in Lebanon. And uh, throughout my childhood, I was raised in a conservative Christian uh, family, very involved in uh, our local church. Both my parents were in the business, but also very active as lay leaders in the church. Uh, Many activities took me through my years, whether it's Sunday school, uh, Boy Scout activities through our church and youth group. I was uh, 12 years old uh, at a work camp. In fact, we were building a uh, a new f- uh, family home for a boys' orphanage up in the mountains, and it was hot in the in the summer months of July. So we would get up early in the morning, work uh, through midday, and then in the evening we'll have a fellowship and time of Bible study together. And I clearly remember the preacher that night talking about. Uh, no one is going to take you to heaven but your personal relationship with Christ. And he went on and naming many things that will not make it possible for us to go to heaven, but our obedience and our following Christ as our own personal Savior. Start naming people like your parents will not take you to heaven, your money will not take you to heaven, your relationships will not take you to heaven, and then even said, even your uncle will not take you to heaven. (laughs) Funny enough... It was my uncle who was preaching, my my dad's brother, you know. So that moment, it struck me at age 12, thinking, oh, wait a minute, he took off all my securities, you know. (laughs) So I grew up again, as I said, in church, but never thought about that personal relationship with Christ, uh, thinking that uh, as a young little boy, I'm doing the right things, you know, uh, acting Christianity, um, but not really making the commitment myself. So I went to him at the end of the sermon. I said, well, you said that, and I would love to pray and, and see how I can accept Christ as my personal Savior. He said, well, we're hungry. Let's go to dinner. <laughs> uh, so it's funny. You know, he even put that off. Uh, well, he had a wonderful dinner. Everybody at that work camp ate except me because I was so anxious, so nervous. Hmm. Um, well, at the end of the dinner, I uh, tried to sneak out of the dining room, and he caught me. He said, where are you going? I thought you wanted to pray. 
Uh, I said, well, you put it off. He said, well, I was trying to see how serious you are about it. So we went back into chapel, kneeled there, prayed and accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And then he told me, well, now you need to go and tell people uh, about the uh, the changed person you are in, uh, that the Christ that is in you. So I was, you know, trying to make it safe. I started looking for my older sister. And when I found her, I was all in tears. And she said, what are you crying? She thought I did something nasty, something bad, uh, you know. And then I took her out in the woods, and I kept running, and she was running after me. And when I realized that we were so far away from everybody, I thought, I just prayed. And I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And she just laughed. And she said, you're crying? You should be joyful. You know, she gave me that big <laughs> hug and, you know, helped me understand what it really means, you know. Uh, and I thought that I've lost a lot of things in from my uh, with my friends and all that. And, oh, boy, it was, it was a journey of discipleship that my older sister and my older brother helped me understand. And it, it was it was a wonderful experience that night. And uh, I, I still vividly realize that I went to a work camp to help as young as I was in building a boys' orphanage or a uh, part uh, of a boys' orphanage and came back a totally different person in Christ. Camille, that is a wonderful story, and uh, I love to hear how people come to Christ. Now, tell me about your, your wife and your daughters and, and how you met your wife. I'd love to have that part of the story told. Yes, Huda, uh, my wife of 23 years, uh, also was raised in the same church uh, community that I grew up in, and we lived in a very segregated part of town in Beirut, Lebanon, during the Civil War. So our small world was almost the same. We went to the same high school. We were part of the same youth group, attended the same church, went to the same Sunday school. But we really did not know each other. We knew of one another. Her brother was my best friend, but had uh, no personal friendship uh, between Hoda and I till I came back from uh, the States. You see, a lot of us who uh, grew up in war in Lebanon found themselves seeking uh, college education outside the country of Lebanon. All our universities were closed. Uh, the ones that were open were in dangerous war zone area that very difficult for the Christian community to go and attend those universities. So I traveled to the U.S. I studied in Anderson, Indiana, and returned home after four years and then, um, in fact, um, as I was flying that night uh, back to Beirut, four years after studying in Anderson, all through that flight, I started getting these images that Christ was giving me about this young girl that I knew of called Huda. And I asked God, why are you giving me these pictures? You know, what? what's going on here? I, I started blushing all by myself on that uh, flight back to Lebanon, but I felt clearly that God was... Uh, uh, was trying to uh, remind me of this beautiful young girl that uh, um, is a wonderful daughter of his. Hoda was involved in a church plant in Beirut much earlier than many people would think. At age 17, she was part of a group of seven uh, young men and women led by our uh, associate pastor who were trying to plant another church in Beirut, and she was very dedicated to this church plant. So not long after I arrived to Lebanon, I went and, uh, to that church and started uh, 
talking to her and she was, you know, very conservative. Like, no, we boys and girls don't talk to one another here <laughs> in this country of Lebanon. Well, you had but a lot of obstacles later, to overcome there. <laughs> oh, I tell you, but later on, she did tell me that at that same time when I was flying, that God woke her up at night and asked her to pray for me. Is that and She right? said, I was praying for you and I was blushing at night because I oh. had no idea. I said to God, I don't know why you woke me up. I don't know why you asked me to pray for this man. All I know is a friend of my brother. And we could really see that God was preparing us to a wonderful journey together. What a fabulous been, story. Yeah. And how long have you been, been married, married now? Yes, we've been married since 1990. We have two girls. Uh, Meili, our eldest, uh, is uh, 20 years old, is uh, studying right now in the United States at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. And then Amy, our youngest, She's 17. She's a senior in a Christian high school still in Beirut, Lebanon. Well, I want to talk about Heart for Lebanon, the organization that you founded, and we'll get to that and the fantastic ministry that you carry on there, particularly among the refugees coming from Syria and Iraq. But before I do that, uh, I've never been to Lebanon, but I've heard such wonderful stories of God's people there and uh, the heart uh, and beauty of the country Introduce us, take just a few moments and introduce us to Lebanon. What do we need to know about your country? It is a coastal country on the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. It has the uh, sea uh, to its west, and then to the north and east of the country of Lebanon is the country of Syria. To the south of Lebanon is the country of Israel. Uh, Lebanon uh, is a mountainous uh, country. Uh, A lot of people think that... uh, it being in the Middle East, that's desert and hot weather. Well, there are a lot of hot summer months in Lebanon, but again, with the mountains, there are a lot of snow on the peaks. And you know from the Bible talking about the beautiful white mountains of yes. uh, Mount Lebanon and yes. the cedar trees. Yeah, so, we all know about uh, the cedar trees of Lebanon. We correct. Do. <laughs> correct. So in, uh, in less than 45 minutes, you can drive from the coast up to the mountains, go skiing and swimming in the same day. <laughs> well, you should work for the Tourism Bureau, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Unfortunately, though, this is a country that has been torn in conflict and wars for many, many years. Yes. Um, we went through a terrible civil war from 1975 to 1991. Uh, people believe as if we've had peace after that, but really all we had is a a hold of the violence and the fighting, but uh, there's still a lot of political bickering going on. And with all the fighting factions who are living in Lebanon and have many roots with our neighboring countries such as Syria, Libya, uh, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, there's a lot of uh, regional influence on the country of Lebanon, and still tension is very high, Hmm. unfortunately. So we love the country of Lebanon. I love the country of Lebanon, but we also pray for peace in our country because we understand we are strategically positioned in a part of the world where we can be very effective as a people to see the love of Christ, the kingdom shared, and the gospel spread. Camille also ministers to an influx of Syrian refugees, and we'll talk about that next, coming up on First Person. 
Operation Mobilization's Freedom Climb has announced that this year's event is aimed at climbing seven of Colorado's 14,000-foot peaks in just four days. The Freedom Climb invites women from all over the globe to participate. The funds raised will again go toward combating human trafficking and sexual slavery, which preys on women and children. Find out more about the Freedom Climb by going to firstpersoninterview.com and clicking on the Freedom Climb banner. My guest today is Camille Melki, the founding executive director of Hartford Lebanon. And Camille, you've already given us a taste of your love for your country, and we read about it in Scripture. It is a strategic country in the Middle East for a number of reasons, not the least of which um, refugees have been pouring into Lebanon in great numbers over the last few years, especially now because of the uh, the wars in the region. The, the war in Syria has brought what? 800,000-plus refugees now, or has the number climbed even higher? The number has grown far higher than that. Uh, the latest uh, UN figures uh, talk about uh, around 825,000 registered Syrian refugees. That's uh, families and individuals who even had the courage to uh, register with the UN. Many more are living in Lebanon, fearing retribution from the uh, government, from the regime in Syria, or from the rebels, and have not even dared to register. Hmm. The country of Lebanon today is littered, uh, literally littered by uh, refugees from Syria, refugees from Iraq, and also a lot of Palestinian refugees who fled Syria and found refuge in Lebanon now. All right. Well, we'll talk more about the challenge that that is, but let's talk about Heart for Lebanon, your organization. When was this founded, and what is the purpose of Heart for Lebanon? Yeah, Heart for Lebanon uh, came as a natural response to the July 2006 war. It came as a response to a devastating war that broke out between Hezbollah and Israel. Uh, that war in July 2006 left the country of Lebanon with $4.5 billion of destruction. And hundreds of thousands of people, 800,000 people were displaced. 200,000 people left the country and chose never to return. This is uh, one quarter of the population of Lebanon that was affected by this uh, ugly war in 2006. Hard for Lebanon burst out as a natural response to such crisis where we desire to be a mobilizing force to bring the local church and the international church together to be the hand and feet of Jesus to a broken community. It also burst out from a spiritual experience that my wife Huda and I went through that summer. We were in the United States, in fact, uh, visiting friends, and we were also leading a group of 13 teenagers to our church international youth convention when the war in Lebanon began. And uh, I got frustrated with God. I fought God big time. A lot of my friends, a lot of my relatives, all my siblings, all three of them are living in the U.S. And other siblings, two of them are living in the U.S. So they were all challenging us to reconsider moving to the U.S. and live here and call uh, America our uh, newfound home. Now, don't misunderstand me. If there is a place you want to be stranded in when there is war, America is the right place <laughs> yeah, to be. I'll say yes. But to be, yeah, but to be so far away from home, having 13 teenagers with you, worried to death about the safety and security of their loved ones, 
and us not knowing, we went through a time of grief and also a time where we were fighting God with this why question. Why again, every time we think things were moving forward in the Middle East, in Lebanon in particular, another war breaks out. Mm. Well, in fact, uh, you know, just to be short in my answer to you here, when you ask the God the why question, you might never hear the answer. Uh, but as I was praying and arguing with God, he reminded me of this scripture story where the disciples brought this young blind man in Jesus' presence, and they asked him, why is he blind? Who's at fault there? Is it he or his parents? Why is he paying this price? And Jesus answered, neither, not his parents, not him, but for the name of the Lord to be glorified. Mm. That moment I got struck, you know, I was asking the wrong question. I wanted to know why. And in truth, if you look around us, we live in a fallen world. And the Middle East has always been in a conflict from day one. Either it's about birthright or about territories or about water. But when we ask God the how question, how then, Lord, in the midst of all this brokenness, in the midst of all this hurt, your name will be glorified. How can the church be the hand and feet of Jesus, bring honor and glory to your kingdom? Well, let me warn you, you might never hear an answer to the why question. Hmm. But when you desire to know how to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord, he will give you a long list. Yeah. Be Get prepared. your paper yep. <laughs> and your pen and be prepared. And that's how it began. We were sitting together on that flight on 34,000 feet above Earth, flying back to Beirut, talking to each other, and we were struck by that. And then I said to Hoda, so what are we doing? What's going on? She said, Jesus has a heart for Lebanon. Mm. God has a heart for Lebanon. And that's where the name of the uh, ministry uh, came to birth, Heart for Lebanon, Christ's heart for a broken community. Mm. Again, uh, thank you for being so responsive to God's call. It would have been easy just to take up residence in the U.S. and avoid all that conflict, but you were called to it, weren't you? We are called to the country of Lebanon. We are called to the people who live in Lebanon, whether they're Lebanese or non-Lebanese. We're called to the to be the uh, conduit to bring people to stand face-to-face with Christ their Savior. We believe that uh, uh, Heart for Lebanon exists to see lives changed and communities transformed. And we say we are driven by the compassionate heart of Jesus Christ. Everything we do leads us to be passionate, to reach out to the lost and broken, passionate to advance peace, justice, and equality, and passionate to, re- uh, to empower the marginalized and rejected. So we put our ministry to test all the time. Are we truly driven by Christ's compassionate heart? And do we have this passion to see the lost and the broken stand face-to-face in front of Christ? We engage poverty at uh, all levels. We try to reach out to their physical needs, but we also know that poverty can be on relational, it can be on spiritual, and can be on emotional levels. So Heart for Lebanon, as a relief and community development agency, is not only trying to feed and clothe and provide shelter to refugees and marginalized communities, but it's also trying to share the love of Christ, to uh, uh, be the herald of Christ's peace, heaven, eternal peace, that uh, no one can take it away from you. Uh, we know that uh, in Scripture it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So being a a herald of Christ's peace is not a 
choice or it's not a task or a skill that you and I have, but it is, in fact, if we call ourselves children of God, we have no choice but to be his herald of his. It is a responsibility as believers, but the resources are scarce and the needs, the issues are so overwhelming. I mean, just look at the, the refugee issue. Majority of these families don't have any income whatsoever, do they? Any, any food. So how do you meet mm-hmm. such an overwhelming need? What can you do? Well, that's true. We look around us, and the needs are overwhelming, and they are becoming even more overwhelming by the minute. The flow of the uh, Syrian refugees to Lebanon is, on daily basis, increasing. Uh, today, the battles in Syria and Damascus and the north of our country everywhere keep building up, and more and more refugees are fleeing and finding refuge uh, in Lebanon. So sometimes when we look at it from an earthly physical lens, we think that we are crippled and we cannot uh, meet the needs around us. But then when we put the spiritual lenses on, we realize ourselves in, in a time in history, in a place in history like never before, positioned in a place that with the little resources that we have, God has multiplied a lot. And then we count on the friends and relatives and partners and foundations and churches who also are feeling the burden today that so many Muslims who have fled Syria, fled Iraq, fled Palestine, came to Lebanon, that they would be able to uh, find uh, redeemed dignity uh, through the love of the Christian community. And that dignity we're trying to redeem is their dignity in themselves, dignity in the eyes of the communities around them but first and foremost, that dignity in the eyes of their Creator. Camille, I have just a few seconds left, but when you grow weary in the work, and I know it has to be tiring, where do you draw your strength? In fact, um, if I may say that uh, when I draw weary, I look around me and I see some of my staff who originally came from a Muslim background and whose eyes been lit to the Gospel and whose relationship with Christ is so strong. They're the ones who keep me going because it's for people like them that uh, we've been called for the young generation of Lebanon to have faith in our Creator, to have faith in our Savior. So um, uh, sometimes, yes, there are those moments where I feel like, boy, this is too much. I can't take it. But then I look around me, I see young men and women who are on fire for Christ. And I say it's for them that we are there and called and for people, many people like them that we would love to continue going on so we can bring more back to Christ. Our first-person guest today has been Camille Melke, the Executive Director of Heart for Lebanon. And if you listen carefully today, you heard several ways that we should be praying for the people of Lebanon and the refugees from Syria who are pouring over its borders. Also pray for Camille and his wife and those who work with them. We have placed a link to Heart for Lebanon on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I know they would be encouraged by your prayers and gifts. There's a U.S. address on their website where you can write and give. Once again, follow the link to Heart for Lebanon when you visit this program's website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can also reach us via Facebook and Twitter by clicking on the respective icons at firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. Well, next week, you'll meet the president and CEO of Wycliffe Associates, Bruce Smith. His book is called Living Translation, Telling His Life Story, and I hope you'll join us for that conversation. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. 
We'll see you next week here on First Person. 